Hello, and welcome to the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter, joined by Jim Pugh and Sandhya Anantharaman. And for this one, we're going to go a little bit meta. I'm going to be interviewing Jim and Sandhya, and Sandhya is going to be joining us as a sometimes co-host. And so usually when I interview Jim, I give his, his organization name as the Universal Income Project, but we have not yet said what the Universal Income Project is. So in this episode, we're going to go a little bit into that. So first, welcome, Jim and Sandhya. Thanks, Owen. Thanks. And so, yes, what is the Universal Income Project? Uh, so the Universal Income Project is about a year old. We started as a group of people who were really just spending some of our free time to start more of a conversation around basic income. This was in the summer of 2015. There had been some talk about basic income, but it really wasn't getting any sort of widespread attention at that point. And so a few of us felt like it was really time to stoke more of a conversation and try to get people, uh, try to get more people to hear about this idea, try to get people to be thinking critically about it. Um, and so we started out with organizing a few panel discussions, a few meetups and get-togethers. But the first thing we did that was really at a large scale was organizing the Basic Income Create-a-thon in San Francisco late last year. One of the things I think after the initial sorts of discussions we convened that we saw was that there were people in the Bay Area that were really, really excited about the idea of basic income. and because we have such a great tradition of making things here in the Bay Area, we thought that having not just a hackathon, but a create-a-thon where we could invite artists and filmmakers and writers and people that were interested in policy to come really envision what the future might look like with the basic income. So along those lines, uh, the create-a-thon was entirely open-ended. It was basically anyone can pitch a project or just do a project why not provide a little bit of direction up front? A big driving force for us around the Create-a-thon was actually trying to give people an opportunity to support basic income in a way that matched what how basic income might actually change and affect the world. Part One of the things that a lot of people find particularly attractive about basic income is the ability to free you up to pursue activities that are more self-driven as opposed to being locked down to a job that you might not really enjoy or find fulfilling, it gives you space to actually look for work that is more meaningful. And so in a somewhat analogous way, we wanted to give people an opportunity to come up with their own ideas for projects and to tell that to other people there and really um, in a more natural and honestly somewhat chaotic way to be able to form these teams that could, could make these ideas that were coming from the attendees happen. Yeah, and just to add to that, there were projects, one project that I would not have ever thought of, but projects that I hadn't even heard of the concept. Uh, for instance, one group did a, uh, is building a software platform to have a group income, so people can just get together and uh, establish a wage floor that everyone contributes to until it's established, and then you can kind of distribute the income however you please after that. Um, so it, it was really cool in that way, just in that it introduced me to a lot of people and but also some new concepts. So what's next for the Universal Income Project? So 
What we saw coming out of the Create-a-thon was this really fantastic community of advocates, people that had all these different perspectives on why basic income was an exciting idea and had over the weekend uh, created projects that expressed um, different ideas around how to raise awareness around basic income. So we realized that the next step was really to take that and keep moving forward, keep building a community in the Bay Area. So. We've hosted quite a few events since then. We started doing regular meetups um, and wanted to provide people who are curious about basic income, but also advocates, a lot of different perspectives on how to think about the idea. One of the first ones that we did was with a, an assistant professor from Stanford named Juliana Bidadanure, and she talked about the difference between the ideas of basic income and basic capital, uh, which was an interesting discussion in a way for people to really uh, learn more about the topic. As discussion around basic income has really heated up, something that we've come to think of as very, very important is making sure that we really are engaging folks at the grassroots level in a very broad way. We can come up with policy solutions around basic income and try to push those forward, but if we don't have a strong popular movement behind it, it's probably not going to get very far. If you look at what happened in the 1970s under the Nixon administration, we almost passed a form of basic income in the United States, but it stalled in the Senate, and there really wasn't any strong popular pressure to help get over the roadblocks there. So we've been thinking about what are the right ways to actually engage people, get the word out, raise awareness, raise support, and then turn people from being just supporters into active advocates who are spending their time really pushing this policy forward. Yeah, and not to derail this, but the the history of the Nixon administration is just, I find it very hard to get my head around just because the basic income seems like, honestly, a, a non-starter in today's Congress. You know, maybe in a couple of years, we won't be saying that. But uh, in the, uh, was it Nixon versus McGovern when both candidates supported a basic income, you know, but there wasn't that, that swell of popular enthusiasm to, um, to push it over the edge when it, it ran into a couple roadblocks. So uh, what, what would you say is the state of the popular basic income movement right now? I think that we're seeing a lot of interest and support around the country. Um, there was around the Swiss vote um, in June of last year, there were a ton of media outlets that were writing pieces and reporting on the idea of basic income, having debates pro and con. And so I think that that raised the level of awareness in the United States considerably. So now you have a lot of folks that have heard of the idea that are really interested in it. Um, and people that are excited to advocate for the idea across the country. It's just a matter of bringing that community together and get it, giving them more ways to raise the level of conversation. Yeah, I've been seeing a ton of articles about it. I feel like it's every week now that there's just a, a new publication is introducing this idea. So it's at least at that level that it's kind of a, a fun policy idea to, to talk about and to write about. And I think, I don't know what it takes to go from that to something with strong political pressure behind it, but I, I think we're, we're starting to see those gears turning. Yeah, absolutely. I think that people are actively thinking about what are the right initial policies to push forward here. 
And if we can be doing that at the same time as we're really building up this strong, popular support base and volunteer base, I think we've got a real shot at not only passing those policies, but getting to a place in the not too distant future where we're ready to look at national legislation. One of the things that we've had a lot of fun with um, over the last six months or so is hosting events to try to get people to think about what basic income would mean for totally different uh, sectors or industries. So Y Combinator is doing an experiment on basic income um, and the type of people that are usually really interested in Y Combinator are entrepreneurs. So we were able to have a conversation with Matt Krisloff there to talk about what this would mean for entrepreneurship. Uh, we've had panels with folks from the creative space, people from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts here in San Francisco to talk about how basic income could open up opportunities for more people to be artists and work in the creative space. We've also had conversations with people from Code for America and the Tipping Point Foundation, groups that are working on uh, solving homelessness and poverty in the Bay on what basic income would mean for uh, the homeless and families that are struggling on the line um, as well. So that's one, one of the really interesting things is bringing together people from all these different communities to envision how basic income would affect the work that they do every day. Yeah, and that's something that struck me in uh, the last episode talking with Scott Santins is he's someone who, I don't know what his life situation was exactly before he started crowdfunding his own basic income, but you get the sense he was doing fine for himself. But just having that, that base level income security said has completely changed his psychology around his work and what he's he's willing to do what he wants to do and just how he approaches his work even if it's the same thing he would have been doing with or without the basic income yeah that's something that we've seen people really uh really draw a lot of people in which is recognizing how that level of security could radically change people's lives. That it's not just some money coming in, it's this matter of you know that you're gonna have the support and it gives you this, this extra layer of, of freedom uh, and opportunity to be able to, to do things that you wouldn't have even considered before. And that is something that is somewhat unique to the basic income as a policy is for, I would say, the majority of people they can imagine how it immediately affects their life in possibly a pretty dramatic way that something like immigration reform or you know other big policies you hear about in the news don't necessarily affect your your life the next day or the next year. Yeah, I think that you do have to get people to that point where they are able to look that once like into the future because so often people's headspace is all right, like what is the fiscal implications? How, how does this life work in the world I know today? And But if you can get that one step farther, like how could the world actually change, then it really, you can see that dramatic effect, not only for other people, but for yourself. So one thing we actually haven't talked about on this podcast yet is what brought us to the basic income movement. So uh, Jim, what brought you to the basic income <laughs> movement? Uh, so I think I first heard about basic income maybe 
three years ago now. I think it was in the context of the Swiss really kicking off their campaign. And initially I thought the idea sounded pretty crazy, but shortly after that, I was starting my company, Share Progress, and figuring out what was actually involved and going into building a new business. And what I realized is that just in the previous year, there had been a bunch of different services that had been created here in Silicon Valley, uh, in the Bay Area, that made starting a company much, much easier than before. It used to be that if you, when you wanted to incorporate, you'd have to hire one or more lawyers to handle all your paperwork, and it would cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. When I was incorporating Share Progress, there was an online service and it cost a few hundred dollars. Similarly, handling payroll for the company, it didn't require a bookkeeper who was going through and doing all these calculations. It was this online system where you set up these direct bank deposits for everyone on your payroll and hit a button every month and everything was taken care of, including your taxes. So it was at that moment that it really sunk in for me what level of impact automation could have on society in the not too distant future at all, and that we really needed to be thinking much broader than uh, some of the small solutions that are discussed today. And basic income just really seemed like that could help in so many ways. And so that's what really got me into it. Cool. Sanjay, how about you? Well, I hadn't heard of basic income till I moved to the Bay Area about a year and a half ago. Um, and I was really struck by how many people were considering this really radical idea. You know, it seemed totally bizarre at first. Uh, but then what I started to find really intriguing was really starting to have this conversation in the United States around the concept of being able to eradicate homelessness and indigent poverty. I mean, this is something that as a developed country, we still struggle seriously with, with tens of millions of children living in poverty. And the idea that we could really change the way that our communities relate with each other, interact with each other, if we don't motivate people on the basis of fear of starvation um, is definitely something that I, should, I think we should be talking about, especially as we look towards a future with more uncertain work and increased globalization. How about you, Owen? What got you interested in this space? So I don't remember where I first heard of the basic income. It was something that, you know, I guess was a policy idea that was just in there with a bunch of other policy ideas somewhere in my head for a long time. But what really, I think, turned me on to it or just made me start thinking about it all the time was a YouTube video actually called Humans Need Not Apply which comes up a lot in, in basic income circles. It's, it's a few years old at this point, so it's a lot of the info is probably dated, but it's still worth a watch. Basically, it's, you know, it goes through a lot of the, uh, the automation that's already out there and that's just around the corner, and you know how soon there will be more and more jobs that, are, uh, that not only will a human not really compete with a robot, it, it would just won't make any sense to, uh, to have a human doing it in the same way that it makes no sense to have like a human cash register or something. So since then, I, I've been just seeing the world through the, the lens of what if we had a basic income? And a, a lot of the most obvious impact is just, you know, there would be homelessness and poverty would be, if not gone, it would be sharply reduced. 
uh, people in jobs that they find completely uninspiring would have the economic mobility to uh, move on from those jobs. And, and it, I found it a really fascinating policy proposal that's really worth our attention to, um, to think about what's going to make sense going forward to continue to have a, a very prosperous society. All right, well, thank you guys for, for joining for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. Thanks so much, Owen. It's been a pleasure. And just to, before we close this out, if people uh, are hearing this and they're realizing that they too can get involved with the basic income, that it's uh, that anyone can really step up and make this happen, how might they do that, Jim? So the best way is to just go to our website, universalincome.org, and you can sign up there if you want to be involved. We're still figuring out what we're doing in various places around the country, but there's an opportunity to sign up and we will make sure to follow up with folks. And if you are in the Bay Area, also make sure to check out our Facebook page because that's where we share the events that we're scheduling here. And one more excellent way is to tell your friends about this podcast. It's another way to introduce the basic income to an audience. Thank you for listening.